In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Andrew and Jerry Save the World. Episode 30, Andrew and Jerry Redefine Recession or re-redefine recession, but I think we're going to go with redefine recession. I'm Andrew Langer. I'm Jerry Rogers. And uh, we are already joined in progress by our guest this morning. He's an old friend of mine. Um, you know something I can't say because uh, because the, the 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 group doesn't exist, but I've known Jim for a very long time. Uh, we, we get together uh, about once a month and, and have lunch at one of my favorite places to eat in D.C., uh, you can figure that out if you if you know me. Uh, Jim is the uh, it, well, he's with this new organization, the America First Policy Institute. He is the director of Jim. You're going to have to tell me again what's the what's the specific section that you are the director of? It's the Center for American Prosperity. Center for American Prosperity. See, I know I would have butchered that, uh, uh, Jerry. And we're having Jim on because, well, I, I, as I said, I've known Jim forever and a day. Um, but also because we are in some really unique times. Jim, last week's episode was called uh, Everything is Not Quite As It Seems or Everything is Not As It Seems um, because there are a lot of false narratives that are being uh, pushed. One of these is the issue of the redefinition of recession. And, And I'm hoping you can lend some light on this. I mean, I don't think any of us were surprised when the Biden administration came out and and said we weren't in a recession, but to go back on what is established definitions uh, of terms, um, I, I think we were we were all surprised that they sort of doubled down on this. G- give us your thoughts on this. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. Um, oh, you're welcome, always. This idea that, that we're not in a recession uh, leads me to think about that old saying, who are you gonna believe, me or your lying eyes? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So the first quarter of the year, we saw the economy contract at, at an annual rate of 1.6%. In the second quarter, uh, annual rate of 0.9%. Uh, never in, uh, before in the history of the United States have we had two quarters back to back of decline without it eventually being deemed a recession yeah. by the ER, which is which is the committee that that officially says whether or not you know we're in a recession or not i am i'm reminded i know jerry stopped watching game of thrones but i'm reminded of the the grand maesters uh down in in the in the citadel when they when they release their white uh, their white ravens uh, that's how you know that it's winter and if they don't do it well then it's it, it can't be winter because they mm-hmm. haven't declared it i mean this is where we are. And not that we're gloating, right? And Jerry, I want to get your thoughts on this as well, right? We're not gloating. We're not taping, taking a victory lap. But the point is, if you're not willing to accept the realities that are in front of you, how can you possibly grapple with and solve those? Right? Jerry, am I right here? Well, and again, that's the problem, right? Progressives have, uh, have decided to ignore or redefine uh, reality, uh, whether it's the economy, whether it's uh, what's happening in the Middle East, wh- whether it's this uh, this Inflation Reduction Act that's not going to impact inflation, but implement price controls and all kinds of uh, uh, increases to energy cost. Uh, it, it is again, we 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 used to throw this phrase around back back in the day, Andrew, back in the 90s or early 2000s. We would say, oh, it's Orwellian. 
and to make a point. We would exaggerate to make a point, right? Uh, today, it truly is Orwellian. I mean, and, and again, Jim, I want your thoughts on this. It, it's not just the Biden administration that's redefining the terms, recession, etc. cetera. Uh, it's also their uh, allies in the media. Uh, and again, uh, someone on one of the social media platforms did a, uh, did a, this is what they're saying now about recession. And this is what they were saying a year ago, two years ago, 10 years ago. And it's remarkable how, and, and again, nothing's ever uh, uh, exclusive or unanimous. But in this sense, it's almost that the media has taken an exclusive repositioning mm. on, on inflation, but a host of other topics. I mean, Jim, what do you think of this? Well, you're right. I mean, if you look back, back in January of, of 2021, we had an inflation rate of 1.4%. Uh, we saw the economy growing that quarter at about 6%. Uh, we saw, uh, really, uh, given what we'd gone through in the pandemic, we weren't in a bad position. Um, since then, inflation is now hitting 40-year highs. Uh, the economy uh, has stalled. Uh, we're seeing uh, huge problems with the supply chain. In fact, we're not even back uh, to the total level of employment we had pre-pandemic uh, still. So the long story short of this is, uh, we're in a situation and if, if we try to kid ourselves about it, we won't do what's necessary to right the ship. Jim, let's talk about the, those numbers because we got new jobs numbers this morning. Um, and I've got a, a more endemic question to all of this, which is the, the question of, how many Americans, at least by my count, I, I want to say there's something on the order of between 16 and 24 million Americans who've simply left the workforce. But I want to know if that number is, is right, because that's just sort of a back of the napkin calculation. And also you, ha you have to define that number. That is uh, uh, Americans who are in the age category yes. to be in the workforce. I mean, if an 81 year old drops out. Uh, that's not the labor. We call them, we call them especially if they drop out of school, Jerry, we don't want that to happen. But Jim, am I, I mean, am I right? I mean, that's sort of, as I said, back in the napkin calculation, but talk about today's numbers and, and then the sort of the folks who've left the workforce. Sure. Well, most economists expected uh, the numbers for July to be weak. Uh, I, I saw as low as 78,000, but actually it was a, it was a whopping massive uh, 528,000 increase in jobs uh, in July. Uh, also, the employment rate did fall down to 3.5%. Now, what we have to realize is, of course, is an employment is, is a lagging indicator. Uh, first, the economy changes, and, and then uh, as, as the economy weakens and uh, businesses find that they're not selling things, they, they cut back on producing things, and eventually they cut back on the people they have working for them. Sure. So this is a lagging indicator, and it's going to uh, weaken uh, going forward. Looking at Q3 for the economy, I think the Atlanta Fed is estimating a growth rate of about 1.4%. So that means over the course of uh, the first three quarters of the year, if the Fed is right, we will actually have zero economic growth. Wow. I, I mean, I guess, Jim, what I'm trying to square in my head is, so before the, before the pandemic, we had incredible unemployment numbers. The economy was purring along. Um, mm -hmm. But we didn't see, right, and you would have expected, if the, with the unemployment numbers being as low as they were, you would not have, ex you would have expected to see the same kind of service interruptions, right? We're, we're gonna, when we go out now, we're told that we have to be patient because, you know, uh, there are not enough people to fill the jobs that are out there and things are this and there and that. We didn't have that before the pandemic. And, and so the only thing that sort of comes to mind is, 
that that these numbers there's something wrong with the numbers that that the unemployment numbers aren't telling the whole story because oh, there are so many people who are not working so i'm sorry jerry you want to just to follow up on this too there, there again it, 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 there seems to be a, 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 something counterintuitive here right yes so uh so uh a day or two ago right the numbers the uh the jobless claims uh, is an is a uh, unemployment jobless claims are at a I think a high for the year or a nine month high. So, so again, how can we be at uh, uh, what the Biden administration would say near full employment at the same time, we have record numbers of Americans. Well, back before the pandemic, you're right. We had very low unemployment. The economy was purring along. Uh, and as a result, you saw strong real wage growth. Uh, right for employees, and especially at the middle and lower income levels. Um, now, what we see today is, is just the opposite. Uh, we see falling real wages. You know, and so wages are increasing rapidly, um, but only in nominal terms. Yeah. Once you just, we'll, we will have seen something like 14, 15 months of consecutive declines. Uh, and and that's, that, that's not helpful. And, and, and you're also right about the initial jobless claims. Uh, we hit an eight-month high recently, and those claims are up 57% uh, from, from March. Uh, um, so that um, that's uh, not good either. So again, like an indicator. Well, so it, it also seems I like your I like the uh, the the metaphor uh, mm-hmm. lagging indicator. What you know what we say in this program often is 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 that politicians. Are lagging indicators, <laughs> and again, not to jump to a a, a a new topic, but 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 on the economy, uh, you know, news, you know, yesterday, uh, this week, anyway, uh, the Democratic senator from Arizona uh, said that she would now support this um, Schumer Mansion uh, spending uh, bill, and again, here's here's the question, I guess, and 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 I, I you know. I, I put on my 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 policy hat or my political hat, and and it doesn't make a difference. It seems to me that this uh, this uh, inflation reduction act is bad policy. It's going to be bad policy for those uh, looking for new cures and new medicines. Bad policy for seniors in Medicare. Bad policy uh, for uh, for Americans who want to who want to uh, heat their homes or cool their homes or you know who are going to use energy. Uh, but at the same time, so it's bad. Po- it's certainly bad policy. And even economists agree that it'll be negligible, any kind of impact on inflation. So policy, bad politics. It also seems bad to me because uh, even with the mainstream media on their side, there is this trickle down civics happening where Americans are realizing this is just more spending, more of the same, no solutions. And again, it's going to have no impact, no real impact, or it'll have a negative impact. And so going into the midterms, it doesn't help the Democrats. So why do this? Why is Manchin making this deal now? Why is the uh, Senator, uh, Senator Sinema making this deal now? Well, first of all, you're right. This uh, piece of legislation is monstrosity. Uh, horrible. With an analysis showing that actually uh, increased inflation in the short run. Sure. Now, uh, also the administration a few days ago was touting uh, this letter signed by 125 economists saying that this is a great piece of legislation. It will help with inflation, the economy, yada, yada, yada. So after I stopped laughing, I thought, you know what? I should probably respond. Uh, so I put together a statement of my own, uh, circulated it, 
And within four hours and 16 minutes to the minutes, I had more economists on my letter than they had on their letter. Sure. It was mailed yesterday to the Hill. We ended up having, well, on the letter, over 230 economists. I actually That's right. After the deadline. So it should be closer to 300. But uh, if, saying that, look, this, this, this legislation will, will uh, harm the economy and harm the, uh, workers um, and shouldn't be passed. So, you know, what we're going to do, too, is, is I mean, Jim, so, you know, I'm the editor over at Real, uh, Real Clear Health, uh, Real Clear Books and Culture as well. Uh, I saw Fox News or one of the one of the cable, cable outlets covered the letter. So, you know, headline was 230 economists agree. So what I'll do today is and if you can send it to me too, send me the actual letter and I'll embed it into one of these news stories and make sure it gets up on real clear today. Because, again, you, you, pardon me, Andrew, but. No, go you know, ahead, Jerry. We look, Andrew. We've been in politics for a long time, and we've seen, uh, and we've worked, and we've worked on K Street. We've worked for members of Congress and legislators and, and others. And, and and I don't mean to overstate this, but this piece of legislation, I think, is is in my time in twenty years, it's the worst I've ever seen. And here's why: because Americans are growing used to right. the high prices. They're growing used to going to the supermarket not seeing what they need, not finding what they need and making compromises. And so what, what, what the progressives have done is they have now gaslit us to accept high prices. And in this, this monstrosity that you labeled it, and you're absolutely correct, uh, they are going to set in motion uh, a series of hikes in energy costs uh, that will that will again challenge modernity for the rest of us. Uh, the, 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 lim the, the limousine class it's going to feel impacted because they have so much wealth. But what's worse than the energy stuff in this bill is the healthcare stuff. And again, uh, they are literally going to keep seniors from accessing certain new therapies and drugs. And the CBO uh, has has talked about this in the past because they've tried this before. There are new ideas. This is a bad uh, old idea that is rechristened. And the CBO has said the only way you get in this bill, the only way you get savings out of Medicare is if you deny access to care. And I don't understand why why we're not screaming from the hilltops. Well, I guess we are. Jim, you are, of course. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Jim, talk, talk a little bit about that. Talk about the specifics of the bill and, and what it does and the mechanisms that are there. Certainly. Well, first of all, it raises taxes and you don't raise taxes while you're in or going into recession. Uh, that's, but that's just what this bill does. Sure of hundreds of billions of dollars. It also uh, throws uh, hundreds of billions of dollars to the green energy lobby, uh, both of which are bad bad ideas. So, but in terms of taxes, for instance, one, one of the more damaging uh, uh, aspects of it is this 15% book tax uh, on, on corporations. You know, uh, you know, as you know, there is book income and, and, and then there is tax income. Uh, companies are taxed on their tax income uh, because, the way the law is written, you know, certain things shouldn't be included. Well, they've they've decided. Well, unless let's just ignore all that and uh, impose this minimum tax on U.S. companies, which would really undermine uh, the United States vis-a-vis uh, -vis the rest of the world internationally. Um, uh, uh, also, I just read this morning, and I have to uh, uh, really uh, uh, think through this, but I think I read that uh, cinema was able to adjust the book tax slightly, but then impose a 1% uh, tax on stock repurchases by corporations. Now, I don't know why uh, so many people on the left 
dislike the fact that a company might purchase some of its shares. Now, let me give you an example. Yeah, Let's please. say a company XYZ, it makes a profit. Okay, what does it do with that profit? There are really only three things it can do. Uh, it can invest back in the company, uh, it can give uh, dividends, or it can repurchase shares. Now, let's say uh, the company really can't figure out a, a good way uh, uh, to invest more into the company. Uh, all the investment opportunities it sees are taken care of. Okay, so if you're investing- or time, out, or, or time out for a second, or they're looking down the road economically and they think the economy is not going to improve anytime soon. So why true, take the risk of true. capital investment? Exactly. Go ahead, yeah. So, so you might give dividends, which is good. But of course, once you increase the dividends, uh, it's hard to cut the dividend without yeah. there being. So what you might do then is just buy back some of your shares. Because you know, what that does is it raises your earnings per share uh, and really improves the metrics across the board, you know, the metrics that investors and uh, Wall Street look at. So um, and, and by, by doing so, what you're doing is putting money back into the hands of investors who can yeah. then invest companies where they see opportunities. Sure. So it just disappears or is blown on luxuries. You know, it, it's a more efficient allocation of, of, of capital uh, and, and, and opposing attacks on that decision uh, makes no sense. Uh, there, there should be no tax on that. No, you know, Andrew, this is this is frustrating to me only because it seems to me that in this piece of legislation, there are myriad interest groups from uh, from energy and coal to Wall Street and banks, uh, to uh, healthcare, to uh, pharmaceutical companies, innovative companies in particular, uh, and yet all of the all of these all of these economic sectors uh, again in 2020 were were part of the great fortification uh, where they worked the, the the chamber of commerce uh, and 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 the the CEOs and the boardrooms with big tech and with the media and with the establishment all all were in cahoots. Uh, to get the uh, the Trump administration uh, or Donald Trump in, 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 as as a man get him thrown out of office. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not being pro-Trump or anti-Trump here. I'm yeah. just saying that uh, you know uh, who said it? The roosters have come home. Uh, uh, the fact the chickens the, have come home to roost. Thank you. The, the chickens. The well, rooster is a chicken, Andrew. Yes, um, I understand. Uh, but remember the, that Seinfeld episode? If a you know a chicken in the hand, the rooster. Who's getting with who here? But regardless. <laughs> um, uh, and again, it, it, go, it goes to the politicians like uh, like Maryland Governor uh, Larry Hogan. Uh, all of these interest groups, these these business groups, these uh, these establishment Republican types, they all have a, they all have to take part in the blame here. You know, so we're not going to feel the health care impact of this legislation until years down the road. And so and the problem is, again, the, the kind of the hidden tax in all of this is we won't know that a new cure is not isn't available because it was never developed. And I, you know, I was at a press conference last week with uh, a group, no, no patient left behind. Uh, and it had a bunch of cap uh, venture capitalists and investors on, and they said, point blank, we cannot invest in uh, single molecule uh, uh, medicines, future medicines. If this bill passes, we just can't do it. Well, again, my question, my question to you is, well, where were you? Two and a half years ago or two years ago, uh, when when you were when you were promoting Joe Biden, promoting the what do they what do they expect? It's almost as if pharma deserves what they're going to get. 
It's almost as if Wall Street deserves what they're going to get. That energy deserves what they're going to get because they're the ones who gave it to us. Jim, let me let's let's sort of talk about this in the context of what America First Policy Institute does because I know you guys have have written extensively about these things. Talk talk about that. Talk about the contrast and 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 how sort of the worldview um, from AFPI is different than what is being promoted right now. Hmm. Well, uh, Andrea mentioned Seinfeld, which uh, <laughs> reminds me of, 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 of one of the best episodes of all time. And I, I think you might agree. It's the episode where Jerry and George are talking. And uh, Jerry explains to George that if every instinct you have is wrong, then just doing the opposite must be right. Yeah. So, so uh, uh, George, you know, uh, uh, starts doing the opposite of what his gut tells him. And suddenly he has an apartment, a job and a girlfriend. So uh, the same applies to this uh, uh, administration and what's happening on Capitol Hill. It seems every instinct they have is wrong uh, and doing the opposite would be right. And uh, we at AFPI uh, like to point that out. Again, we're a 501c3 research institution. Sure. Research, uh, we look at policy, we try to explain and educate uh, the impact of policy. And uh, so every week, I mean, I have to, I have to admit, this administration keeps me so busy because I'm constantly pointing out uh, what's wrong with what they're doing. It's it's a situation in which I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I and I stand by this that those you know we have a we have a tendency obviously to look back at history, right? And we talk about Jimmy Carter, we talk about uh, uh, we talk about Barack Obama, the Obama administration, what they did. We we go back and talk about the bad things that the Nixon administration did. And I've I've come to the conclusion that we are no we are we are now f- far past any of those. It's a in it, it, if anything, it's a combination uh, of all three in the worst possible way. Uh, in terms of the bad economic decision-making. Have we set a new low standard, a new standard for the wrong thing to do in terms of, are, are people, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now going to say, okay, we, the, the, we're doing poorly, but at least we're not as bad as what was going on during the Biden administration? Well, we know what works because uh, we've done it before. It was, um, and, uh, and now we're doing just the opposite. So let me give you an example. Regulation. Yes, thank you. Um, a huge difference between administrations. Uh, so our friends over at the American Action Forum sit down every week and go through the Federal Register to tally up uh, the costs and man hours associated with new regulations. And, and, and they've done this for each administration. So I was looking at it this morning. Uh, and at this point in the Trump administration, again, uh, 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 summer of the second year of the Trump administration, the total increase in regulatory costs uh, was $893.5 million. Yeah. A, a million. $893.5 million. So less than a billion dollars. About 8.4 million additional man hours associated with that. Now, this administration, $214.8 billion. We're talking over 200 times greater regulatory costs imposed by this administration in the last. You know, it's funny you say that, Jim, because we've just launched the Institute for Regulatory Analysis and Engagement on that very issue. I did a presentation at Freedom Fest a couple of years ago, um, and I was trying to scramble to sort of pull this up. So we know- years ago, you were at Freedom Fest just a couple of weeks ago. No, did I say years? I meant weeks ago, yeah. Jim. I'm sorry, just, just a couple of weeks ago. And, yes. and you know, when, when uh, Donald Trump took office, 
Um, regulatory costs were about two and a quarter trillion dollars annually. There was a nominal, very little growth over those four years, about 2% a year. Um, and, and, you know, now we're looking at regulatory costs that are s- somewhere above three trillion just in the first couple of years of the Biden administration. And if things continue on what, what I call, I, I, I spent a lot of time talking about the glide path, right? Which is the, the constant state of regulatory costs and what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we continue at the rate that the Biden administration is doing it, I'm estimating that regulatory costs by 2030 will be between six and seven trillion dollars on an annual basis, right? And out of an economy that's only you know 20, 21 trillion dollars in size when we're doing well, you know, 17 or 18 trillion when we're not doing so well. And then Jim, what the other thing is that is that I talk about is the opportunity cost here. In fact, let me let me go there. Because there was a, a great study about 10 years ago by a couple of economists in North Carolina, one in NC State and one in Appalachian State, where they essentially determined that for every dollar in direct regulatory cost, there's a $19 multiplier in terms of lost opportunity cost, which means that when when regulatory costs shoot up, what did you say, uh, uh, $200 billion? Yep. So it's but, not 200 Again, all these numbers are important. No, no, yes, but but we're but we're missing the forest for the trees. No, no, hold on, Jerry. But just let me let me just lay out the number though. The, the right. opportunity cost for for two hundred billion dollars is about one point eight trillion dollars in lost opportunity cost. And what Jim's talking about here, real quick, Jerry, because I know you want to get back to the, the 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 forest instead of the specific trees. But when Jim talks about things like a company being taxed on its ability to now, this is not a regulatory cost. This is a this is a legal cost. Um, but when a, when a company is no longer allowed to buy back its own stock and reward its stockholders who then can no longer, they no longer have the opportunity to reinvest their dollars in other companies. I, I understand. Yeah. And I think our listeners understand. I think what, yeah. what we're missing and what, and what folks inside the beltway are missing is the big, so what? And, and, and this is what I mean by that. Ultimately who pays the price for all these bad policies uh, these regulatory burdens are families, right? Uh, middle and middle income families, uh, and 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 the like. The problem is, is that everything that's going to happen in this piece of legislation, everything that has happened over the, the course of the last two years, has been allowed to happen by the lobbying class, by the the Chamber of Commerce. Again, it's the banks that elected Joe Biden. It is Wall Street that elected Joe Biden. Uh, It is the energy companies and the pharmaceutical companies who elected uh, uh, majorities of Democrats in the House and the Senate. Again, look at look at these um, these coalition groups that come up uh, when there are threats. Right. So pharma, for instance, will fund a patient organization uh, uh, to fight back on price controls. And then the head of the organization uh, is a Democrat lobbyist who voted for Joe Biden, who actually took time off and worked on the Biden campaign. And my, my point is, is that uh, no one cares about this because, because the taxpayers are too busy trying to make ends meet uh, families and then the lobbying class, they like the regulations because it keeps them employed. I talked to a pharma lobbyist this week, Andrew, yeah. who said to me, yes, 
this is bad for the companies. It's bad for it's bad for uh, uh, innovation. Yes, the, the, these these very bad things will happen. But I'm guaranteed a job for the next 20 years. Well, that's that's and that's listen. This, but see, but that's the aspect of this that we're not talking about. You see, uh, Cory Booker, uh, Senator um, uh, Senator Menendez, uh, from both of whom are from New Jersey, represent Pfizer. If yeah. Pfizer really cared about this, those two senators would not be supporting this package. The problem is, is that Pfizer is getting multiple billions of dollars from the government uh, for the COVID-19 vaccines. Yeah. And so Pfizer, and again, infamously, Billy Towson said this, I will, when, when Billy was the head of pharma, he said, I will gladly give up on price controls if it means Jerry, we lost you there. Jim, are you there? I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Jerry, so if if it means we we get paid, I, and and it, what's interesting, Jim, is that uh, is that uh, wait, Jerry, are you back? I'm back, but you keep on freezing out though. Oh, you you uh, you 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 froze there for the two of us there for for yeah. a minute. So I'm not sure what's going on, but but, but let's setting that aside for a second, because because the other side of this, right? It's it's the same reason, Jerry, why the American health insurance industry. Uh, they were willing to go along with the Affordable Care Act. Well, yeah. They, and, and let me comment real quick on that. Yeah. So AARP is running all these commercials in favor of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. Uh, it, tur- it turns out uh, that, again, and the way they squeeze money out of this savings, so-called savings out of this bill, uh, is to deny access to seniors for care. Well, you'd think right on its face, AARP would not want to deny seniors uh, new therapies and new medicines in Medicare. But Remember, AARP makes nearly a billion dollars yeah. off of its health insurance uh, interests. And in this bill, right, uh, you, all of these Obamacare subsidies are, are, are promised. AARP is literally selling out seniors so they get these subsidies on the insurance side of sure. this. Yeah, because AARP is not about that. They're, 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 that's how they they're a money making machine. Sure. Um, but Jim, I pulled this up just for the, those of you who are watching can see it. And it's been up for a while. This is one of the charts that I put together for my Freedom Fest presentation uh, on the regulatory cost issue. And, and so you can see that, you know, it, it's the, the rate of growth. It, it, it skyrockets. It's almost what I call it. And I'm sure I'm using the wrong economic term, but there's a feedback effect that the, the curve accelerates. The curve gets steeper uh, as the costs mount and, and there's no end in sight. Uh, but talk about Jim. Jim, talk about that in, in terms of the issue of opportunity cost. Talk about what it does mean for American families, working families. What it means for jobs. Talk about the real world impact of a regulatory state that costs the American economy seven trillion dollars annually. Well, we have to ask ourselves: Are we going to allow the, the market to do uh, what the market does, which is create a wealth and prosperity, or are we going to allow the government to override? market signals and impose uh, itself uh, on this. Um, ultimately, I mean, if, if you look at, 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 uh, at, the, at the history of the world, countries that rely on markets and have economic freedom are far wealthier. Uh, sure. even, even the poorest uh, among those uh, in those free countries are wealthier than say average income folks in countries without much economic freedom. I had a paper on this uh, earlier this year um, so what we're seeing happening in Washington, D.C. now is governments 
uh, imposing itself, overriding uh, the market and saying, we know better uh, via new taxes, via new spending, via regulation. Uh, and ultimately we're gonna see lower standards of living for, for everybody. Uh, and the poorest among us, especially hit hard because the opportunities they would have had otherwise just won't appear. Yeah. Well, and what's worse, Andrew, is, is, is that they won't even know any better. And what I mean by that is, is that we are growing accustomed to the high prices, right. uh, to the, to the uh, you know, we, we talk about how in urban America we have healthcare deserts, we have food deserts. Well, this is coming now and spreading out, which again, Andrew, Jim, goes to the progressives' larger uh, plan, uh, which is to live in ex-urban ex or urban environments with public transportation, uh, their, they, their worldview is being implemented in front of us. And again, not to, Andrew, not to knock your, your statistics, but we're busy talking about statistics and they're implementing their, their worldview. But Jerry, I'm talking about statistics because this is, again, we have to, we have to understand the facts on the ground in order to get where, in order to make our point and get where we're going. Right. I, I get that. But my, my point is, is that your your facts matter, except why isn't why isn't Cory Booker listening? Why isn't uh, why isn't um, Senator Menendez listening? Why isn't Joe this uh, to Jim's point, this Inflation Reduction Act, 50 percent of the, the tax burden falls on manufacturers and the number one industry hit with this tax is coal. Why is why is Joe Manchin championing? dealing uh, uh, for higher taxes and greater regulatory burdens on the coal industry. I, I mean, I think, I think he's, I don't know if you're asking me that Jerry, or if you're asking Jim that, but I mean, I, you know, just well, it's listen, out there. This is, this is, but see, all right. So there's the, this, this is the greater problem. There's the, the greater problem, which is that a federal government that is involved in every aspect of people's lives uh, can then, you know, you, it, it then invites the kind of, uh, advocacy class, uh, the lobbying class to come in there and exploit this, right? But we don't have the discipline politically as a nation, as a republic. Well, I, I guess I guess my yeah. question to both of you guys or to Jim is, is if they wanted to, if they wanted to, big pharma, big energy, uh, the big banks could shut this thing down. They, they, they could peel off one, they only need one vote. Yeah. Are you telling the largest interest groups in the country, in the history of countries, the, the combined wealth, they can't peel off one senator. My point is, is that ultimately they've, they've made the decision that they benefit from the taxes, they benefit from the regula regulations, they benefit from greater government inter interference. But is it that they benefit from it, Jerry, or have they been so thoroughly infiltrated by the progressive left that they're being sold a bill of goods and many of them don't even know it? <laughs> well, in either case, we lose. Well, that's, but yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, sorry Jim. Jim, I know you, we you, 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 you called me, you, you called me on my, before. I'm a curmudgeon. I'm a curmudgeon today, Jim, but, but Jim, but, what? Uh, give me good news. <laughs> good news. That's okay. So even if uh, the reconciliation bill passes the Senate, it then goes to the house. Now, as you know, in the house, it's, it's a very small margin. Uh, I don't think four votes of the Republicans will vote for this. And there are a handful of, of more moderate Democrats in the House who may be convinced uh, not to vote for this. Henry Cuellar of Texas is an example. Um, 
uh, and Josh Gottheimer of New Jersey, the first two to come to my, my mind. Sure, anyway. sure, sure. Yeah. Well, again, New Jersey, pharmaceutical companies um, uh, and jobs. Um, so, uh, yes, I would like to see this legislation uh, fail in the Senate. Uh, but if not, there's a chance of blocking it in the House. Again, I'm not saying it's likely, uh, but it's possible. You know, if, if we should take we should take when I say we, I mean, the the uh, kind of free enterprise movement, the conservative movement should take a uh, a play out of their book. And that is we should be running commercials and advertising and online presence today um, uh, uh, targeting the progressives in the House, saying that this doesn't go far enough, saying that this is a sellout, saying that this is this is this is no down payment on the Green New Deal. This is a compromise. It's a betrayal. And try to peel off, you know, the and AOC already shown that she's willing to buck her party if the party doesn't toe the ideological line. So maybe on our side, what we should be doing is exactly what the Democrats did in the primary, and that is 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 promoting this thing as a betrayal of progressive uh, of progressive values. Listen, I, 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 it's it's interesting you bring that up, Jerry, because uh, one of our one of my former colleagues, your current colleagues, was on social media today talking about the the uh, uh, ongoing obsession that Republicans have with Donald Trump. And all I'm thinking is, you just had the Democratic Governors Association spend millions <laughs> of dollars to promote candidates. The, you know, if if you want to see Donald Trump go gentle into that good night, stop funding candidates. And Jim, I'm sorry, I know that this is. I, I, I know. Actually, I don't know. You maybe you could talk a little bit about this because Jerry. So you understand, Jerry and I were both Trump skeptics going into 2016. Uh, we we became very big fans of what the president was doing because of the substance of what he was doing as president. Um, uh, the uh, America First Policy Institute. This is. I'm not going to say it's the it's the brainchild, but this is a policy organization that certainly has its roots in folks who were doing the good work for the Trump administration. Is that a, a, sort of the best way to say it or a good way to say it? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, AFPI uh, uh, focuses on America first principles. Uh, we're not for any given candidates uh, yes. uh, principles. Uh, but that being said, uh, quite a few uh, former Trump appointees from the White House, from various cabinet departments are part of the team. Okay, good. I, yeah, I, uh, Jim, I, I was at a healthcare uh, roundtable recently. Some group uh, was uh, was present, and I forget who it was, but obviously someone who dealt in health policy. I think worked at HHS. Um, but he made this point, and you know, I want you to elaborate. He said that part of what uh, hamstrung the Trump administration early on was they didn't hit the ground running that there weren't enough people to put in place and there wasn't enough people, in, their people in place to push out uh, those who were left over. And so he was talking about the need for, uh, for Republicans to be ready in 2024. Uh, is AFPI part of that? The kind of uh, not uh, kind of like, you know, the old days we used to joke around that Kennedy, Senator Ted Kennedy, always had enough people where he was the administration in waiting is f is afpi sort of that uh, regardless of who the nominee is that intellectual stable in waiting 
Well, uh, yes. Uh, first of all, I was uh, part of the Trump transition for six yeah. months. Started back in August of 16, left shortly after, after inauguration. Uh, I was in charge of the tax team. And uh, looking back, I would have done things differently. I, I think the entire transition should have been done differently. We focus far too much on generating white papers and, uh, and the like, as opposed to um, uh, finding, vetting, and getting people ready uh, to move in as quickly as possible. Uh, now, that being said, AFPI has launched an initiative. Uh, um, it's, it's, it's brand new. Uh, Mike Regas, uh, who was the acting Hello, Mike. Uh, is the head of this initiative, and it's basically to uh, uh, prepare uh, for a transition. Uh, so uh, once the election is over, regardless of who uh, uh, wins, um, we uh, will have a plan and be able to go. So, and, and Jerry, Mike's wife, Laura, uh, just appointed to the uh, board of a certain college in Virginia that I have a great affection for. <laughs> I never, I always forget the name of that place, yeah, Andrew. I, I, <laughs> as, as do I. I just have great that small, for- That small this place is- founded by, uh, was it, who, who was it founded by? Well, it, was found, it wasn't founded by Thomas Jefferson. Oh, it wasn't. Okay, Jefferson, well, was, I'm dude, sorry. Thomas Jefferson founded UVA. It's a, it's a great yes. point of contention. Yes. Founded by by uh, by uh, <laughs> essentially William and Mary. I'm was, teasing yeah. you, Andrew. I, I'm so, teasing you um, about you, Jim. Before we let you go, I want to shift gears a little bit. Talk about some fun stuff here. Um, Jerry is a fan of Star Trek: The Original Series. Uh, well, I mean, and and Enterprise and uh, and the but Next Jerry, Generation. But Jerry, but I am a, a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Captain Kirk. Mr. Yeah, Jim is Spock. a Kirk guy. Yeah. I'm a Picard guy. Your favorite, uh, your favorite of the Starfleet captains. Me? Yes, you. Oh goodness. <laughs> oh well, I certainly do like Kirk. Give me one second. Oh no, no worries, Captain Captain Pike. <laughs> That's, listen, are you watching the new series, Captain Jerry? Archer? There you go. Wait, wait, we can't see this reflection. Uh oh. Well, that's me. Is that you? Is that is who? Is that? Oh, I love it. It's (laughs) William Shatner. God bless you. So you shook hands with William Shatner. I did. I did. Well, I'm going to shake the hand of the man who shook the hand of the man. (laughs) When did you? When did you meet? When did you meet Shatner, Jim? Uh, There was a convention. (laughs) That's great. Uh, and my daughter uh, arranged for me to have this autograph and uh, picture wow. and meet and greet. So there is a actually, you know, something, Jerry, this is the road trip you and I need to take. Maybe we bring Jim on it as well. There is up in up in upstate New York in Ticon in, um, in Ticonderoga, New York. There are there is a group of people that have built they have rebuilt the original sets to Star Trek, the original series, including the bridge and the <laughs> corridors. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and you can go up and tour. And once a year, Shatner in a special event, Shatner goes and you can get your pictures taken on the original bridge with nice. William Shatner. I think you That's and I need thing. to need to make that that trip. Um, Jim, I mean, without a uh, without regime change, uh, that's the best. That's not the best way to put it without without elections going you know, back. Is there is there any hope? I mean, think here, I guess here's my question. Things can get worse before they get better if we don't change. Is that right or wrong? And why? <laughs> oh, yeah. Much, uh, quite so. Uh, I'm simply hoping that uh, the outcome of the November elections leads us to a point where we can uh, block the worst of uh, things. Actually, I'm sorry. I, I got to go back to this because I, I didn't get to ask this question. And, and it's rare that we have an economist on. 
we know what happens if you take $3 trillion out of a $20 trillion economy. What happens if you take $7 trillion? And what I mean by that is if, if $7 trillion in our economy gets diverted to doing things that the government wants you to do instead of the real capital forming and capital producing uh, um, uh, impulses, what does that really mean? I mean, does it get to this point where Jerry, as Jerry's talked about, where we don't get a new pharmaceutical? What does it mean for the average family if $7 trillion goes out of our economy uh, to regulatory costs? I'll answer it this way. Uh, economic growth occurs when you have more labor being injected uh, into labor force. Uh, th those people are educated, trained, and equipped to be productive. So you increase economic growth by having more labor being more productive. Uh, these regulations will just uh, sink uh, all of that. Uh, and uh, and it, it, it'll be a vicious cycle. Uh, so what we need to do is do what we were doing previously, which was, you know, cut uh, taxes, uh, uh, cut regulations, uh, focus on you know, growing the labor force and making sure they can be productive. Uh, what's happening now is just the opposite of that. How do folks stuff? Uh, I'm oh, sorry, Jerry, go ahead. I was going to say we uh, I, a phrase that I stole from someone else is and that is you know, we are progressively advancing backwards. <laughs> you know, you know, it, it's funny how um, the left seems to be at war with modernity, with progress with innovation and you know and, and i'll just say this real quick i i just watched i binge watched with my family my girls uh downton abbey i didn't see it when it first ran and again uh, you know, because my life is politics and policy i'm looking at this this the aristocracy dying out you know the the, the large landowners and the earls and the, essentially a kind of uh, serfdom dying out in in great britain in the early part of the 20th century and I think I thought to myself, I think to myself now, it is reemerging in America. We have a new aristocracy here, and it's the administrative state. It's the it's the it's the it's it's the political class, and they they will uh, through through politics, right? Uh, through and, and again, in, in in the aristocracy was by um, by your title, but here we're doing it by by federal regulation. We're doing it by taxation. We are essentially uh, making the American people into a new a new serfdom. Yeah, actually, anyway. FPL paper uh, along these lines. Oh, it was several months ago now. I, I can't recall the exact title, but something like progressives are the new regressives. Because yeah. if you look at the policies that these progressives are pushing, they actually uh, hurt uh, lower income uh, families vis-a-vis uh, -vis upper income families. I mean, for instance, uh, the, the folks on the left want to get rid of the uh, salt cap. Yeah. Uh, well, what? That helps people with high incomes who uh, live in blue states. They, they also want to forgive student loans. Well, who has student loans? Typically families that can afford to send their kids to college with student loans. Uh, they tend to be, you know, upper income. Uh, and, and down the list, uh, again, it seems today progressives are the new regressives. Interesting. It's fascinating stuff. Jim, how do folks find out more about what you guys are doing at uh, um, AFPI? Well, we have a webpage, which is AmericaFirstPolicy.com, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Um, we, we're, we're adding new material every day. Uh, so I would, I would uh, uh, recommend someone go there. Um, and um, yep. there, there you go. <laughs> Jim Carter, listen, thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Jim, thanks, buddy. Well, listen, that was always, always enlightening, Jerry. Um, 
uh, you are you are you are Eeyore's well, today I, because I, I, because again I, and i and, and don't get me wrong uh, there has to be an intellectual um uh foundation to our policy proposals so what what you're saying about regulations and and its impact on the economy th- these are th- this is must understand information the problem right. is is that and i said this off mic to to our guest jim carter where the hell are the Republicans pushing back on this, on this piece of legislation? Where is Kevin McCarthy? Uh, where well, is the Chamber of Commerce? They're I, no, they're literally, look, AARP has been up with ads, multi, multi-million dollar buys. Right. Well, I think, where, 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 listen, where, I think, where's the other side? I think, I think, well, listen, I think to get the Chamber of Commerce to do this, I think, you know, there are good people at the chamber and then there are bad people at the chamber. And this has always been the problem with the chamber is that. But, but again, but, but there's a battle happening. There's a war happening. Right. And well, my, only one side is fighting. My, yes. Yes. My, my, my point is part of it is, is that is that you have um, uh, if we're, we're going to use the war analogy. Right. You have uh, forces at work within the chamber that essentially make it impossible for them to act or worse, that they might act in the other way. Right. It reminds me of the time that I'll, I'll use an example. NFIB went the wrong way on health care issues. Right. After the 2000, what was the uh, the, the 2006 elections right. um, and, and Republicans lost badly, um, you know, NFIB sold out and, and to, got together with AARP and I want to say the AFL-CIO on health care. Yeah, I know. Right? So this but, is but, but, but no, but Jerry, it gets to it gets to it gets to the, the fundamental thing that you said. This is the issue. And, and it's something, you know, we think about in terms of, the, of, of, of corruption and the Constitution. And I don't know if there is a ready answer to this. But the problem is that when you have a, you know, when you have this government that is so big to be able to make these decisions to either take seven trillion dollars out of an economy or three trillion dollars out of an economy and direct it to whatever they want to make busy work or to create these massive programs, which will prescribe how people drive or what they can drive or where they can live or whether or not they can have a, a, a gas powered stove in their, in their house or a, or, this you is, know, but this much- is, this, this is no longer a distant kind of, of dystopian prediction right. from the right. This is happening now. This legislation, again, this legislation will deny access. This in, inflation reduction act of 2022 will will keep seniors, senior citizens on Medicare for accessing new medicines. It will have a trickle-down impact where there will not be new cures and new treatments for cancer, for Alzheimer's. Uh, There will not be, again, but this is the problem. See, Pfizer, I think, and these big pharma companies are saying, all right, we're not going to have the next blockbuster, but you know what? Monkeypox vaccine. COVID, COVID 25 sure. vaccine. Right, and, right, right, uh, right, 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 right. We set the, the, the standard was set during the pandemic for what can be done. Well, yeah, yes, but, but there's good and bad there, right? Uh, Operation Warp Speed, which brought the vaccine to market in 10 months, which usually takes 10 years, was done by private, uh, uh, private initiative, uh, private sector discipline and competition. But at the same time, it was because the government guaranteed purchasing. Yes. And so now if the industry... And if politicians only take half that equation, in other words, yes, 
We might not get that new cure for cancer, but who cares? But if there's a public health emergency, monkeypox or some other virus, right. what we'll do is we'll we'll throw a billion dollars or eight billion or 10 billion or 15 billion dollars at at these companies and they'll come up with a vaccine. But, but well, and time out for a second. And let's be really clear about this. The, here's here is because I think, again, we're missing a year. I think we're, we are missing the forest for the trees. The COVID-19 vaccine sucked. But let's put let's 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 not. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And so so you know, there's but, a reason. But, but, on, but it was Jerry, remarkable. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. But it, yes, it, listen, it is remarkable that it got from 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 development to deployment in the marketplace within ten months. Yes, but the problem is that that you know, there's a reason why vaccines take time, and you have these trials, and why there is this deliberation. Well, remember and, this. Hold on. Yeah. But hold on. But my my point is, this is why it is so important to have a system which rewards taking time over the baby steps to do things deliberately so yes. that you get those cures. Because and, the problem of, hold on, the problem is, is that what we've created is a system in which someone, there, an emergency is declared. Let, let's, let's, let's not call it monkeypox. Let's call it, uh, let's call it uh, manta ray pox, right? <laughs> manta ray pox <laughs> is all of a sudden a problem. There's a pandemic of manta ray pox around the world. COVID-64, whatever. Right. And then, and then, oh, oh, you know, pharmaceutical company says, oh, well, great, we can make $30 billion, you know, or however many billions of dollars if we develop a vaccine. Right. Um, and, and it doesn't matter if it's effective. It doesn't matter if it's effective for uh, uh, a year or six right. months or this, three months. See, what, what you're laying out here is perfectly correct. And, and, but, and I want our listeners to get the point, though, and that is when you politicize science, uh, you learn the very worst lessons. And what right. I mean by that is this. Um, no way it should take 10 years right. for a new medicine to get to market. The reason why it takes 10 years is because of the regulatory burdens and the uh, roadblocks. And so Operation Warp Speed showed that if you take away those burdens and, 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 and those regulatory, uh, artificial regulatory, arbitrary regulatory roadblocks, uh, science can happen more rapidly. The problem is, to your point, is the federal government, they, they, they decided on winners and losers. Yes. You know, uh, they, they, they invested big in Moderna and Pfizer. Uh, you know, what, th 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 there's a dozen other companies. Right. My point, my point is, is that I don't, what, what, what we're learning from Operation Warp Speed, not you and I, because um, you're right about science over time, follow the science over time. The problem is, is that Though the oligarchy, the Downton yes. Abbey aristocracy that is now America is taking the wrong lesson, which is who cares about innovation and, and who cares about yes. the private sector? What we're going to do is whenever there's a public health emergency, we're going to throw taxpayer tax dollars, billions of dollars. And it incentivizes, and it, it incentivizes declaring those emergencies. Um, yes. Because, yes. And, yes. and, and here, and, and I say, I want to, I want to pull it all the way back now. All the wrong right? lessons. I want to, I want to pull it all the way back. Right. Because we already have a system in many States, for instance, where if you have a new and innovative medical technology or service that you want to deploy in a community, you have to get what is called a certificate of yes. CON. Yeah. A certificate of need, which me, and what that means is you apply to the state for the ability to do this. And the state reaches out to all of your potential competitors in your community who get to sign off and decide whether or not. And they get, and that's it. They they get so 
So you want to enter the market. You have yes. an innovative product to, to make uh, a life-enhancing, life-saving new medical procedure product or system. It could be, it could be a new hospital yeah, system right. or medical practice, right? And, and in order to get your certificate of need, in order to get your license to operate, uh, your competitor yes. or competitors have to say yay or nay. Yes. This is, again, what kind of, this is, a, that's, that's, that's Downton Abbey. It, it is that's the, you, you it have is to the go very to the Earl and the an Earl's, you know, yes, that's exactly right. It, you know, it's, it's the, the, the issue of, of guilds, right? It's our good yes. friends at the Institute for Justice. Uh, thank God that they've been doing this kind of work on these issues because that's what they, that's what they get out. Do you remember years ago, uh, we're going to have on an upcoming show or, or we had on a show rather uh, the uh, Christian uh, uh, Libertarian Institute. Yeah, no, we're going to have that. They'll be on their next, the next episode is going to be. So anyway, so make a long story, make a long story short. Um, Years ago, there was this move. You remember this sitting in Fred Smith's office with, uh, with whomever was with us. And there was always this uh, this idea that libertarians would build an island, yes. right? build right. an island and form their own country. And I would think these people are just wackadoo crazies. You know what? It's true. I'm thinking less and less uh, that they're crazy because unfortunately, and again, and I got to learn better. I, mean, I got to ask God for his grace because I take all this to heart. Yeah. You know, I read last night that uh, Senator Cinema had signed off on the IRA, the the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Yes. And I couldn't sleep. Yeah. Because I know what's going to happen. These, when bad policy is implemented, uh, when you create new administrative state power centers, you can't undo them. It's very you hard to undo them. And, and, and this is what gets me, because I, I, I said this offline when we were talking to Jim, um, you know, same, same, similar thing. You know, I I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm actually trying to watch this, 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 this documentary on industrial light and magic, which you gotta, you gotta watch Jerry, if you get a chance, it's really interesting stuff. Actually, I'm watching the wire right now. Time I never, out for a second. I never watched the Hold wire on for a second, first, Jerry, because it first, gets uh, into, run this, this documentary gets into exactly what we're talking about and the issue of innovation, because I don't know if you're familiar with ILM, the industrial light and magic. Are you familiar with this? So when George Lucas created no, Star Wars. I have Wars, no idea what you're talking about, actually. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Industrial Light and Magic is the go-to entity for doing movie special effects. Okay. And, and you know, so now there are a couple of different shops, but by and large, if there's a movie special effect out there, if it's a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie or, or whatever, Spielberg movie, it's going to be done by ILM, Star Trek, what have you. Right. It was founded by George Lucas, who wanted... He was unhappy with the way visual effects and special effects were being done in Hollywood. So he gathered together, he found all of the best people and put them on an island and gave them money, but he said he gave them room to innovate. And they created all of those, they invented technology. It's like Hunger Games, we can only come off the island if. No, 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 I mean, no, it's exactly what you're talking about in terms of libertarians creating their own country. He created this this situation in which there was this, all there was, was the drive to innovate. And they were given free reign to innovate. George Lucas didn't care how they did it so long as they got it done, right? And and they created, you know, we're talking, Jerry, from, from the trench scene in Star Wars, which couldn't have been done before, or that opening shot of Star Wars where the Star Destroyer is flying overhead and, and, and shoots at the rebel ship. You know what I'm talking about here. I know yes, you're, yeah. you know, 
I'm not a big Star Wars guy. I'm sorry. Okay, but my point is, but all right, or or the scene in Indiana Jones where the Nazi's face melts. Yes. All of those things, all of those techniques had to be invented by somebody. They yes. were not. They did not exist before, and ILM invented them. And so Janice said to me last night, my wife, for those of you who don't know, Janice said to me, "Is there is there any other oppor- Is there any other time that this could happen?" Right. You know, these examples are so few and far between. She said, this is like the Renaissance in Florence, where you have these minds who are together and they had their patrons and they were able to innovate. You're moving in the opposite direction is my point here. Yeah. Um, and 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 so, you know, it's funny because the libertarians have talked about moving to New Hampshire. I guess we could have asked the libertarian folks about that. There was a whole seasteading thing for a while. But as they you know, it's, 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 it's just just kind of broaden this out a little bit. Yeah, um, I was uh, I was reading yesterday. Unfortunately, I have to read for work. Yes. Uh, I wish to God that I could. I wish I was. I wish I was a bartender. <laughs> uh, I mean, because of the stress of politics. Sure. Uh, anyway, um, and it was the anniversary of, of some sculpture, uh, Michelangelo. Sure. From the 15th century. And it's this wow. it's this beautiful um, uh, it looks uh, a Madonna with uh, with uh, with uh, uh, with uh, I'm thinking Christ or. Actually, I wish I, I remember now what the sculpture was. I should before sure. I mentioned this, but regardless, he sculpted out of a single piece of marble. Yes. And it is as beautiful today as it was hundreds of years. Ago. Right. Crazy, the crazy thing about this is is that in our universities, in American universities, in, in, in European universities, in our schools, uh, we are now being taught that that Renaissance, the Michelangelo's, the great, uh, the great uh, composers, the, the great philosophers, uh, the, the philosophers who gave us our revolution, uh, they're no longer valuable or worthy of, 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 of study. It, it is- and and my, my, my point is this, I'm sorry. No. Is that we are we are progressively advancing backwards. We're undoing Western civilization, and that's and that's exactly it. And, and it's it's one of those things where in every aspect of art and culture, yes. and you remember Jerry is the and I'm I'm pounding on it with my my mug. Jerry is the editor of Real Clear Culture. Um, you know, you you look at what's happening in classical music, right? It's it, it's it's not about being the best musician, but about uh, you know airy fairy. Um, um, uh, attempts at diversity. You can no longer play the great the great masters of composers because uh, they're they're bad for whatever political reasons. Um, you know, it's it's funny. Um, went to high school with a woman whose father was a a tutor. Is it by the way? It was, it was the Garden of Praise was the okay. sculpture. Anyway, I'm sorry. No, no, no. But my point is that you know the Metropolitan Opera in New York is going down this 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 road as well. Okay. I mean, it's Andrew. In today's news, yeah. In this week's news, uh, the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, requires now before anyone makes a major hire in his administration, uh, it's not enough. You can't just look at the resume. He wants pictures because he. Because he wants to, in his words, he wants diversity. Right. Rem- and- remember, it was only 10 years ago when 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 Mitt Romney was running for president and he talked about having binders full of women. That, that that's part of what sunk his, his election. Jerry, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this again. We talked about this offline, but I, I got this, I got this Facebook message from this guy I grew up with, and it's it's the same guy who was all incensed about um, you know, a couple of years back. Remember, there was that 
made up controversy that the CPAC stage down in Orlando was shaped like a Nazi ruin. Yes, I remember this. I reached out to me yesterday about Victor Orban's speech at CPAC in Dallas. I don't know. I I, I, I have to admit, I don't know who Victor Orban is. Victor Orban's the president of Hungary. See, this is is the thing. And 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 again, he you know, Victor Orban is accused of being uh, um, um, he's accused of being authoritarian. Imagine. Let me tell me if this sounds familiar, Jerry. He's accused of being authoritarian. He's accused of being uh, homophobic. He's accused of being a racist. I, I don't know if that sounds familiar to any of you. And I wrote back this guy and I said, listen, I, I don't claim to be an expert in Hungary. I don't claim to be an expert in Viktor Orban. I just know that given uh, uh, the media's record at painting folks as authoritarian or, or as racist or as sexist or whatever, as homophobic, I, I know that I, I, I take it with a massive grain of salt, right? We know that in Europe, they are grappling with huge issues of how uh, open borders and the social welfare state are, are uh, effectively flummoxing governance in a host of European countries. And God forbid someone says something about it and says, you know something, maybe we can't have open borders in European countries and maybe and, and have a social a massive social welfare state at the same time. This is part of what drove Brexit. And remember, Jerry, the folks who were who were proffering Brexit, they were accused of being what? Authoritarian right, and racist and homophobes and all so, of those things. So I, again, I, I I admitted that I didn't. I'm not familiar with Victor Orban, but however, no, um, so you just spoke for about six seconds. Yeah. Within six seconds, I did a Google search. Right. And Wait, what did you come up with? Well, here's the thing, and this is to our larger point: we are so disorganized. So, on the left, you have members of Congress, you have the Economist, you have the Atlantic. You have all the major news outlets talking about the authoritarian ally uh, of the right. Why is the right fixated on 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 Viktor Orban? Right. Uh, why is the right uh, promoting uh, 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 anti mixed race messages, et cetera, et cetera? But my point is, when did he speak? He spoke yesterday. OK, within 24 hours, you have the entire progressive movement, including big corporate media including Democrat uh, leadership, okay. including, including let me take you through the looking glass. Let me all, take you through the, all let me take, on the same page. Right, right. Let me take you through the looking glass, though, because even if a bunch of allies of, of ACU had spoken out and said something about it, those responses would be buried beneath. Yeah, but but here's whatever is here's out the, there. But here's the difference, though, is in the old days that would bury us. But today there are myriad podcasters talk show radio hosts right there's national review to the federalist uh to american greatness to to the american mind to the, to the liberty fund to the uh to the um uh to the myriad think tanks including uh claremont institute and others right and yet yet on our side even though it's just a, a drop in the sea there's zero but no, no, but but no, but my point is, Jerry, there may be stuff out there, but it gets so buried in the search media results that you're never going to find it anyway. Yeah, except it, I've, I've I've already been today because of because of my work with Real Clear, I've already been on all those sites, and there's nothing there. Well, right, and 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 that's part of it is also is also the issue, but, of, which which gets us to the, the larger question that we were talking with uh, Jim Carter about, and that is yeah. the left is all over this Inflation Reduction Act, and I I can't even find a speech 
from Kevin McCarthy talking about how it's going to harm seniors. Listen, this gets we to are me so my, my frustration. Listen, my frustration with my, my frustration with with the debate over the PACT Act, which was the 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 toxic burn pit bill, is that I I went looking for the substantive arguments on our side, and I and I I couldn't find those. Well, and again, we Google the Jerry, the Andrew and Jerry Save the World because we yeah. talked about it here. Uh, the bill is uh, at its core good legislation the problem is, is that the left loaded it up with all kinds of 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 non right. uh, you know non uh, uh non-healthcare related issues right and, that- but, and, and but 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 to your, my, my point is to your point i went looking for the specific language and the changes and Can't where it, it was and it took me it took me a while to go and find it and finally i found it with the uh the the center for a um it's not center for a balanced budget uh, but the whatever it was the center for a sane budget, whatever the hell it, it is. Um, anyway, uh, so but again, but again, but, but I, I want to be very clear about this. Yeah, our side needs to be vertically integrated and organized and strategic. Well, granted, we don't have the money, we don't have the man, the man and woman power. We don't no, have, no. but we but we're not even organized. But it used to be right, and I'm going to talk about this. Andrew. I run Real Clear Hold Health. On, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 time out for a second. Do you realize I, no one from the innovative pharmaceutical industry has contacted Real Clear Health about this bill? The, 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 this the, bill, this again, bill will implement price controls on new medicines. All right, listen, because we can we can spend a lot of time, and maybe we're going to spend a lot of time now talking about this, and that's fine. We got two things going on. Number one, the pandemic killed the ability, or, or frustrated and hamstrung the ability of conservative organizations and libertarian organizations to organize um, because there have been, there were meetings and, and, and there was a time in the nineties when these organizations could get on the same page and you can have a meeting and they would all sort of understand what everybody else was doing and they can go out there and they could support one another. And those meetings happen on a weekly basis. And just, just for context, remember th- these meetings uh, first of all came out of the success uh, of the electoral success of the Reagan administration, right? But then, because there was a a, a single threat to private private sector healthcare, yeah. i.e., it was Hillary Care. Hillary Care. These groups formed together, and guess what happened in the nineties? Uh, after again, from from eighty eighty three until uh, ninety eight, there was success on the right. The problem is, is that. When Republicans took control of the House, when Republicans uh, had power, uh, they governed like Democrats. Yeah, but, but set, set that aside for a second, because I want to I want to just get into the sort of the strategic and the organizational part. So then what happens is you have a the pandemic. Right. And, and so that shuts down the ability of these groups to get together weekly and and. You know, Zoom meetings just don't cut it. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work the same way. It's not the same kind of dynamic. There aren't sidebar conversations that can be had where you can sort of find out what, what people are doing. I, I can't tell you how many times uh, I came upon an issue and got involved in an issue because I had a sidebar conversation with somebody and, and you know, and it, it sparked my fancy. The other side of it is that that conservative organizations have been so demonized and beaten up on that they have become essentially toxic for these corporate interests or these lobbying interests to want to work with. So, you know, if Victor Orban is labeled as an authoritarian and he's speaking at CPAC, why would anybody bother? Why would Pfizer 
bother to work with ACU on, on an issue. If the Tea Party movement is demonstrated to be or or proffered to be, which, which is why accused of being racist or homophobic right. or whatever. Here's the thing. You know, Fred Smith used to say, again, I say Fred Smith again. Um, it's amazing. The the someone should do a book, The Wit and Wisdom of, of Fred Smith. I like that. Um, because I remember years ago, uh, we went into um, ExxonMobil. Okay. Can, can I just tell a quick story? Please. So Andrew and I both worked for worked with Fred Smith from the Competitive Enterprise Institute. And uh, CEI still does a lot of good work on climate change, energy policy, uh, and environmental policy. In fact, I think it's the go-to think tank on environmental policy. Yes. Uh, still is. Anyway, so we went into a meeting uh, with ExxonMobil. ExxonMobil was, was a... Uh, was a supporter of the Institute's work. And they were very excited to, to show us their new ad campaign. Oh, boy. Now, remember, this was an ad campaign that was done. They had gone through all the testing. They had spent the millions of dollars on, on media buys and on producing the actual commercials. And Fred Smith was their great intellectual ally, and, and, and they supported his work in D.C. And we were invited, uh, Jerry Rogers, Fred Smith, and... Um, uh, Marlo, uh, no, Sam Kasman, Sam Kasman, who was a general counsel, but also who ran CEI's communications, uh, 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 not communications as in public relations, but communications, uh, c- communications, intellectual work. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so we went and we watched, we watched it and it was, we were in like, it was like a Hollywood screening. You know what I mean? We were in this theater, a big wide, you know, a, a mini theater. We yeah, I get big, it. Yeah. You know, I mean, really was set up. They had food for us. and Very was, Hollywood. And yes, very Hollywood. There was like shrimp and food and everything yes. else. It was only the three of us with the, all these executives. And Fred ate all of it. And Fred ate all right. And and then the lights come on and they're like, oh, and Fred said, well, I just I don't remember specifically what he said, yeah. but essentially what he did was he took a crap all over it. Sure. And we were invited to leave. Uh, and as we're leaving and we're in the car. Uh, and Fred said something that makes sense, but it didn't make sense then, but it makes sense now. And that is this, the left is incredibly successful in guilting the, right. The corporate sectors The we need to begin to do the same thing. The, the, the right needs to, because we, we, we wrongly thought that corporate America was on our side. We, exactly. we, we partnered with them. Remember, it is time for all these think tanks and policy groups and podcasters and talk show hosts to go after corporate America and to shame them uh, in their in their in their wokeness and progressive uh, backward thinking. And Fred was right in, in 1998, whatever year this was, Fred Smith was right then. Sure. Uh, but it has to be it has to be implemented now. The reason why the left captured corporate America is because they guilted them. Yes. That's to your point. Right. 100%. So so it goes back to what you and I used to talk about. And that is we can't let any lie uh, lie. Yes. Right. We have to fight back. And which Remember, is why which is why a, they hated Donald Trump. So I've much. talked about, you know, dialectic Hegelianism. I've talked about this in the past. It is apocryphal. And it is apocryphally attributed to Mao. It's apocryphally attributed to Lenin. I think it's apocryphally to Trotsky. Somebody said at some point in time, 
we will sell the capitalists the rope with which they will hang themselves. And, and they've done, and, and they've won. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, just to clarify that story too, the uh, the environment, the 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 ad campaign was all about how Exxon was yeah. no longer polluting, no longer. Sure. And Fred, I remember Fred saying, you know, what does anyone care about yeah. you not doing a bad thing any longer? Why were you doing the bad thing to begin yeah, that's with? Exactly that's right. all they're going to come away with. That's exactly. That's and exactly Fred was right. right. All right, Jerry, I think you and I are both in dire need of a vacation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, you know, but again, I mean, we got- this is the thing that I said to this guy last night. I said, listen, I am prepping to go on vacation. I don't have time for this. I, I just I, I don't. Well, my response would have been very simple. Like, like, why? Why are you? Why are you? I literally just- said, I literally, I literally said, Jerry, why do you care? Yeah. I literally, care? I literally said that. Why do you care? And it was both, why do you care about the issue? And why do you care about my position on it? And the guy wrote back, he said, well, because you're an honest conservative intellectual. And I'm like, I appreciate that. But it's like, you know, what the fuck? You, sorry. Am I going to have to, am I going to have to waste my day now uh, trying to figure out what no. Victor Orban has done to offend uh, the entire no, no, world? No, no, listen, offline, I because I don't want to take up any more of the show time. Offline, I'll, I'll explain to you. But Jerry, it's exactly what I just said. I mean, it literally comes back to you have the EU. The EU has an open border policy, which means that if you're a refugee from the Middle East and you land in Greece, you can go anywhere in the EU and settle there. And what this has done in Hungary and Sweden and Finland and Norway and and, and elsewhere, uh, France, right. is that it has created huge um, uh, economic and sociological I'm not problems is not the right word, but 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 you know uh, issues that they have to grapple with. It, it fundamentally changes a nation. It, it it is exactly why Milton Friedman said you cannot have open borders and a massive social welfare state. Right. I I, I wish that there was an easy way, and I'll, I'll I'll this is my last comment, Andrew. I wish there was an easy way to look at the average American, you know, uh, uh, the American family where where the parents work where perhaps they send their kids to private school or public school, whatever, uh, but the average family uh, and what the cost, the, the additional burden of all of the regulations and the taxes uh, uh, and all of the, uh, of the interference from big government, what it, what it means this, to their, this is, their kitchen Jerry, cabinet, you know, kitchen table budget. You know something? The Mercatus Center does that. Mercatus Center, that's, that's their thing is that they produce, I don't know if they do it on an annual basis, but at least every couple of years, they produce a study on the cost of regulation of the average American family. Um, and and so I know it's there. Listen, Jerry, uh, uh, you're on. Um, we have to, we have to, just, we have to then make it popular. Yes. People should just know what that is. Agreed. Because because I know this, and, I'll, and I, I lied. Here's my last comment. I know that my family, especially since Joe Biden has become president, uh, but has struggled. Yes. Because our grocery bills, I mean, by hundreds of dollars per week. I, I, I told Erica the other day, I mean, we're going, we're going on vacation. And I said, the, the monies I put aside for a vacation, guess what? They're not there. Right. And they're not there, not because I went out and bought new clothes or because uh, we have a new car. And they're not there because, because uh, gas prices and grocery prices I look at my my, my bank statement every day, you know, because I, I do it online. My biggest single expense, it's not my mortgage, um, uh, besides tuitions, 
outside of tuition, but however, it's a close second is, uh, is just normal sure. house maintenance of, of, of the energy bill of the grocery bill of the water bill. It is, it is it, it combined just to maintain this household. I don't understand how people do it. Listen, I'm not going to say where we're going on vacation, obviously, but I, we, we got a great deal. We had a friend at this particular location who can't use uh, her condo, you know, at this place, two bedroom condo. And essentially um, um, we're, we're paying for it, but it's a, it's a good deal on this condo for the location where we're going to be for a week, a two bedroom condo. All of that savings wiped away for what should have been a $300 plane ticket per person. I, I won't tell you what we paid. But all of that savings wiped away because of the the, the airline costs. Well, listen, so we are going on vacation, um, but that does not mean that we're not producing shows. Um, um, uh, well, actually, this show is a vacation show. We're we're actually on vacation right now while the show is there. Next I'm right episode, here. What are you talking about? Next episode is going to be uh, our interview with the folks at the Libertarian Christian Institute. You're going to want to tune into that. That was a fun talk, really interesting talk that we had. Uh, Jerry, while you're on vacation, what do you want people to do? Find the truth, plant your feet, and uh, stand firm. God bless stand you. Stand firm, everybody. Have a great couple of weeks, everybody. Have fun and please stay safe.